the explosive new film, Flynn, Deliver the Truth, Whatever the Cost, exposes secrets behind the government's takedown of General Michael Flynn. Flynn knew what the intel world had been up to. He ordered the first audit of the use of contractors. This set off alarm bells. He told the truth. He was the most dangerous person for Donald Trump to hire. They had to get rid of Flynn. Flynn, Deliver the Truth, Whatever the Cost. Available now. Watch it today. Go to SalemNow.com. SalemNow.com. The Al Conservador Radio Show is sponsored by George Rodriguez on 9.30 a.m. The Answer. Time for the El Conservador Radio Show with George Rodriguez. George is a constitutional conservative who loves to expose fake news and liberals. Be a part of the show. Call 210-308-8867. And now, El Conservador, George Rodriguez. Howdy, 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 my friends. George Rodriguez, El Conservador, talking to you from San Antonio, deep in the heart of South Texas on KLUP. 9.30 a.m. radio, The Answer, on this beautiful Saturday, March 30th, 2019. How's everybody out there? Okay, so what are we going to talk about today? We're going to talk about uh, three major items and then uh, a few other little items if we've got time. Uh, first of all, we're going to be chatting, uh, of course, we're going to give you an immigration update on what's happening. And man, there is a lot of stuff happening here on the border uh, it, it is, it, it's amazing. My friends, we are being invaded. Uh, the other thing I wanted to chat about uh, is, uh, the fake news, uh, in the mayor's race regarding the mayor's race here in San Antonio. I mean, uh, it, it's amazing how it is. We're going to, uh, I'm going to give you some, some background on, uh, the establishment that we have here in San Antonio and how the fake news plays into that. The other thing we want to chat about, and this is a real interesting story. This is regarding the downfall, the recent downfall of uh, the executive director and president of uh, the Southern Poverty Law Center. Now, the Southern Poverty Law Center, my friends, is a uh, is an organization that's been around, gosh, since the 19 since the mid 1970s. In fact, I remember meeting Morris Dees. Uh, when I was a uh, an intern, a young intern, I'll use that term, young, <laughs> uh, when I was a young intern in Washington, D.C. in 1975, uh, Morris Dees was starting out this organization called the Southern Poverty Law Center. And uh, since that time, he has uh, been directing it. Well, recently he got fired. And he got fired because it, he was surrounded by a cloud of allegations regarding uh, sexual harassment and discrimination and a few other things, which, um, you know, now a couple of people that have worked there have written up about it. And uh, it turns out that, um, you know, this was nothing more than the poverty uh, industry uh, at work at its best. And uh, I'll explain what the poverty industry is, but. It's a real, it's a, it is a real, real phenomenon. It is real out there, the poverty industry. And this uh, agency, this nonprofit organization, the Southern Poverty Law Center, was a product of that, um, uh, of the poverty uh, uh, industry. And uh, so uh, we'll talk about that. All right. So let's kick it off. Let's kick it off. Let's, uh, and man, we've got so much uh, on immigration. Let's start out uh, with uh a recent editorial that was done last week um, uh, in in the uh, Las Vegas uh, Sun editorial, and this is so typical. This is so typical, my friends, of fake news and how the media manipulates uh, the, the people, how it manipulates voters, how it manipulates citizens. It really does. It's Orwellian how they do that. Um, apparently, uh, former president George W. Bush was in Las Vegas speaking to an organization or, or rather, uh, he was there to, uh, supervise and uh, speak to a naturalization ceremony of more than 50, uh, immigrants. And, um, uh, he spoke at, uh, this, this event, which took place apparently in, uh, in, um, Oh, actually, it took place in Dallas, but the uh, Las Vegas sometimes picked up on it and, and wrote the uh, editorial. 
However, what's very, very interesting is how they, they pontificate, the editorial pontificates about immigrants and how good they are for the United States, but never, never does it make a distinction between legal or illegal immigration or uh, uh, aliens. It, it never, never, never. And this, and this is so typical, my friends. This is so typical of the media and how they manipulate the discussion. Uh, I have yet to meet a reporter nowadays any reporter that will allow me to say the word illegal alien, the phrase illegal alien uh, when I'm interviewed. I mean, that's the fact. Never mind. Never mind. Let's move on to another quick little item here. Uh, never mind that in the meantime, we are being un- we are being uh, invaded uh, by by illegal aliens. And that's the phrase to use, my friends, uh, this past week. Uh, in Eagle Pass, Texas, which is right down just down the road from us here at the border, the U.S. Border Patrol caught uh, a group of 56 people that were crossing the the uh, the, the border illegally, uh, which uh, made a total uh, for the weekend of over uh, five, over 500 individuals, according to the news release uh, by the Border Patrol there in the area. They said that they found the the, the group early Sunday Saturday morning. Uh, near the port of entry uh, in Eagle Pass, and the the people that they discovered were all from Honduras. Again, they were men, they were men, uh, mostly women and children. Now, my friends, these folks are are, are all going to claim again. They are all going to claim asylum, and they are going to they are going to go into the detention. Well, they can't go to the detention center because that's another part of the story that we're going to be reporting. They are releasing them from the detention detention centers because they're so overcrowded. Here in San Antonio, over 500 were recently released, released because they are overwhelming our border. My friends, they are overwhelming our border in West Texas. The um, checkpoints, the checkpoints. Now, these are the these, these are these are the places where you stop after you've driven into the interior of the United States, about 10 miles, 15 miles into the interior of the United States. These are the checkpoints where they stop and they search you for uh, contraband and illegal aliens in your car. Well, those points, those checkpoints are being closed. And you know why they're being closed? Because the personnel that mans those places, the people that the, the Border Patrol agents that work those posts, they are being uh, called in to work on the paperwork for all of these uh, asylum seekers. They are being called in so that they can work on these on these uh, to help uh, fill out the paperwork on all of these asylum seekers, these men, the, these ch- women and children. The international borders in, the, in West Texas, uh, which covers also New Mexico, they've seen a surge in uh, illegal immigration, mostly from Central Americans. Again, they're all there. They call them Central American families. And I'll use that that term. But, um, you know, they also include unaccompanied minors, all of them seeking asylum. So, uh, you know, the uh, the Border Patrol agents have got to uh, stop everything and 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 help out now. They're, they're, they're having to help out that, my friends, leaves our checkpoints vulnerable extremely vulnerable. You know, the biggest spike that has occurred in the El Paso sector uh, is, is, during this, this past period, about 36,000 family units have been apprehended. 36,000 family units. That is a, 16, uh, a 1,600% increase over the same period last year. Last year, they, uh, they, they apprehended 2,000, 2,000 uh, family units. Now, when we're talking about family units, it could, be, it could be a unit of two, three, four, five, who knows? But it's more than two. So if we're talking about 36,000 family units, we can easily say that it's at least 72,000 individuals. Uh, you know, my friends, we are being invaded you know, let's talk about another aspect of it, you know, because the invasion that that's happening, my friends, has to do with a push and pull type situation because we are excusing and rewarding. We are excusing and rewarding illegal immigration. That's, you know, I, I, that's what I keep reminding folks that this is what happens. They uh, we we excuse it 
by saying that, you know, we've got to give uh, these asylum seekers a chance to explain their situation. Well, you know, in most cases, these people, they're fleeing poverty. They're not fleeing, you know, they may be fleeing violence, but I mean, there's violence in, in Chicago. There's violence in Detroit. You know, uh, they may be fleeing uh, gangs and, and, and violence, but I'm sorry, my friends, it's not a civil war. You know, it, it's not. And at the same time, <clears throat> where isn't there violence in the, in, in the world that we're not going to be able, are we going to be able to, are we going to have to take in everybody that's fleeing violence in the world? You know, at some point we've got to draw the line and say, no, well, what's happening, my friends, one of the rewards that's happening is that we've got churches, churches that we pay that we give money to, that federal government gives money to, like Catholic Charities. And these churches are now making us, they are now renting, they are making money by renting property, renting rooms to people who are seeking sanctuary, who are running away from the Border Patrol and ICE so that they don't get, um, so that they don't get deported. That's exactly what is happening, my friends. Imagine that. These people are making money. <laughs> These churches are making money off somebody who is illegally in the United States and hiding, avoiding the, uh, uh, avoiding the, the uh, Border Patrol. I, I, folks, you know, it, 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 am I missing something in this picture? Am I missing something in this picture? Really? Uh, another reward, and this is another one that has st- started, uh, be, uh, that has become very, very, very synonymous. And, and let me let me talk about it real quick because we're getting ready for for a break, and um, I'll come back with some more on it. But let me let me leave you with this before we we take a break. These may be harsh words, but one of the biggest biggest uh, rewards and, and problems that we've got is this issue with DACA. We are excusing and rewarding illegal aliens, and we cannot do that. Regardless of their age or circumstance, we cannot excuse and reward illegal aliens, including DACA minors, those that came here as children. So, let's take a quick break, and we will be right back with more Immigration News Update. This is George Rodriguez. El Conservador talking to you from San, from San Antonio, deep in the heart of South Texas, on KLUP 930 AM Radio, The Answer. Hello, El Conservador listeners. If you are interested in following George Rodriguez, El Conservador, we invite you to follow him at his internet website, elconservador.net. You can also follow him on Facebook at George Rodriguez El Conservador and on Twitter at El Conservador for daily commentaries. You can also purchase his book, El Conservador, Conservative Opinions, online at Amazon.com. The book contains essays and commentaries about illegal immigration, fake news, and race relations. If you're interested in inviting El Conservador to speak to your group or event, Please contact him through Facebook or through the station at 930amtheanswer.com. El Conservador thanks you for your support. Keep the fire of freedom burning. Howdy, howdy, howdy. Once again, my friends, George Rodriguez, El Conservador, talking to you from San Antonio, deep in the heart of South Texas, on KLUP 930am radio, The Answer. So, we were talking about illegal immigration. Giving you an update. We've been talking about that for the past year, <laughs> so to speak. Well, we're, let, let's, uh, let's continue with this update. We were talking uh, before the break, we were talking a little bit about DACA because um, that issue of DACA has been raised once again, my friends. The, um, uh, apparently, apparently, a group of, uh, yes, a group of Republicans of Hispanic Republicans here in Texas uh, has um, uh, taken upon themselves to uh, include uh, a DACA student uh, onto their, onto the board of their organization. Fine, dandy, that's theirs. But in my opinion, they are rewarding and excusing illegal immigration. They are, they are excusing and rewarding this illegal alien. DACA excuses 
you know, what it does, it excuses certain illegal aliens just because they entered as minors and it rewards them because it stayed in the United States. However, they're still illegal aliens, my friends. They are still illegal aliens. Doesn't matter what anybody has done. They are illegally in the United States. Obama tried to uh, do an end run uh, around uh, the um, Congress and the laws. And uh, he proposed this, uh, he created this thing called DACA, the Dreamers. And, um, you know, but the fact of the matter is that they, they are still illegal aliens in the United States. You know, DACA recipients can, uh, you know, the, the, the problem is that they can be, they can be reunited with their uh, families. Uh, and if the family, even if the family is illegally in the United States, they can be, they, they can continue to stay as long as the student stays, as long as this DACA person stays. So thus these minors, these, uh, that are being brought into the United States, the, that have been brought into the United States illegally. And then the new ones that are being brought in now, they are being reunited as the, as the press. And as the liberals say, they are being reunited with their families, even though the families are here illegally. And of course, they're all demanding asylum so that they can stay indefinitely. You know, it may sound harsh. My comments may sound harsh again, but again, my friends, we cannot excuse and reward illegal aliens, any of them, including DACA recipients and asylum seekers who enter the country illegally, asylum seekers who enter the country illegally. We cannot, we cannot reward them. There must be a, a, an incentive and a reward for entering the country illegally as well as, and let me repeat that, there has to be an incentive and a reward for entering the country legally, legally, as well as there must be a disincentive, a punishment for entering illegally. Otherwise, what's the point? What is the point? If a person enters the country illegally, regardless of age and circumstances, they should forfeit forever their opportunity to stay in the United States legally. I mean, I'm sorry. That's my that's my point of view. Continuing another another uh, situation that we had. Uh, this came to us uh, from Fox News uh, earlier this week, where uh, the United the uh, U.S. has started um, releasing uh, hundreds of. Hundreds, well, I think at this point it's thousands of illegal alien detainees into the country as the illegal, as the uh, immigration authorities struggle to find available places to house these thousands of illegal uh, alien migrants that are uh, the caravans that are that uh, are, are being dumped at the border uh, at the U.S.-Mexico border. We have situations now, my friends, where the cartels are literally are literally running uh, buses. They are running truckloads, busloads of people from Central America all the way through Mexico. They don't even stop. They go straight through, you know, uh, 18 hour, uh, trip. These people pay these cartel people thousands of dollars, get on this buses. These buses end up at, at the, uh, at, at the, uh, us Mexico border. And then they proceed to enter illegally, declare asylum, get put into a detention center that's overcrowded, and then they have to be released from the detention center because it is overcrowded and because certain judges, certain liberal judges have declared that, they, that keeping people, keeping children, keeping women in a detention center that's overcrowded, that is, uh, is against the law because it, it, it's, it's cruel and unusual punishment. So... There we go. We got to release them. You know, we got to release them. At least 250 illegal aliens were released uh, uh, between Tuesday, last Tuesday and Wednesday, uh, according to the New York, to the uh, Los Angeles Times. And most of these releases were happening near the Mexico border uh, with Texas. And many more releases are expected. No kidding. Homeland Security uh, Secretary Kristen Kristen Nielsen uh, warned earlier this month that the migration crisis, the immigration crisis, uh, illegal immigration crisis, as I would call it, on the southern border is spiraling out of control. No kidding. She predicted that the crisis will get even worse in in the coming months. Well, of course it is. It's going to. It's going to. Because these uh, these these um, 
the these ice detention centers, my friends, these ice detention centers, they are overwhelmed. Okay, folks. So here here's a report. Here's and now, I mean, uh, the only way that I can characterize this is outrageous, uh, depressing, disgusting. This report um, coming out of the Daily Caller uh, on the 21st of March, uh, it it states, it says that the ICE detainment centers have become so overwhelmed with illegal aliens that the agency has been forced to release over 100,000 of these family units, families. Uh, You know, and I use that word, uh, families very, very loosely, because in most cases they're not. They're just people who are pretending to be. That's, oh, you know, in the past three months, 100,000 of them. You know, while speaking to reporters last uh, uh, Thursday, uh, Natalie Asher, who's an official with ICE, uh, she revealed that her agency has had to uh, reallocate re- resources um, because of the crushing surge of these illegal aliens coming into the, into, into the country. By that, she means that they've had to move people around. They've had to move money around so that they can address it because they don't have enough manpower and they don't have enough money. We, the American uh, taxpayer, we, the American citizens, we don't have enough money to defend ourselves. Figure that. Go figure that. She went on to say that uh, what we're looking at uh, is our interior uh, uh, arrests uh, that have been affected because uh, the ICE agents are having to uh, to uh, drop everything and and help with the processing. It's amazing, my friends. This is this is outrageous. This is outrageous. And Nancy Pelosi, three weeks ago, remember we reported it. Three weeks ago, she had the nerve to come down to Laredo, Texas, and declare that there wasn't an emergency. Not only that, but the Democrat, the Democrat ca- uh, congressman from that area. Uh, Henry Cuellar, he agreed with her. He agreed with her. He ha- is is worried about the impact of the wall on, uh, on on commerce because that's what he cares about. He cares about the money. He cares about the money. He doesn't care about our nation. He doesn't care about uh, the citizens. He cares about the money that's coming in. ISA arrests have dropped. By 12% between October and December 29th, October 1st and December 29th uh, last year, because the agents are too busy helping to process all of these uh, uh, asylum seekers, my friends. You know, they they don't have time to, to, uh, to do the arrests in the interior. You know, you've got, again, my friends, let me explain in case you're confused. You have ICE agents inside the United States and the interior of the United States. And they're the ones that pick up and apprehend illegal aliens after they've come into the United States at the border. You've got the border patrol who stops them and supposed to be preventing them from coming into the United States. But in both cases, in the case of the border patrol at the border and the ice agents uh, and the ice agents uh, in the interior, they're overwhelmed. They are overwhelmed. This is outrageous. This is ridiculous, my friends, ridiculous. Um, continuing, uh, the uh, illegals that were released, this, came, this, this report came out of, uh, uh, out of Laredo, where um, the fire chief uh, of Laredo, Stan Landon, or Steve Landon, rather, uh, he says that, he, that his uh, men are having to, uh, to work with, uh, uh, on ICE issues, on, on Border Patrol issues, because uh, their community is being overwhelmed by um, by illegal aliens, more than seventy six thousand illegal aliens come through uh, came through the ports of entry uh, in the Rio Grande Valley in February alone. Seventy six thousand. That's the highest number in more than a decade. Uh, uh, in, in 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 you know it, it, since since this is just uh, just the tip of the iceberg because that's just in one sector. You know, you include what's happening in El Paso and Eagle Pass and Del Rio, uh, not to mention in Brownsville, McAllen. I mean, it, 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 this is ridiculous. Piedras Negras, uh, which is the little community across the um, river from Eagle Pass, uh, historically has not been a high traffic area. Uh, 
for um, illegal aliens. But uh, it's become a big route, a big landing point uh, for illegal aliens coming up from Central America. And uh, so you've had successive caravans that have arrived there. And uh, so now you've got folks who are uh, in Piedras Negras in the Mexican side who are just waiting for an opportunity to go to, to either be led across by a coyote, by a, a smuggler, or uh, just going across the river in some form of fashion and uh, introduce themselves, because that's what they do, introduce themselves to Border Patrol agent, who will then, um, you know, have to, uh, have to process them. My friends, we have a situation that's out of control. We really, truly do. We have created this monster by excusing and rewarding illegal immigration, illegal aliens specifically. We have allowed them to come in. We have allowed them to stay. And then we have rewarded them with either uh, benefits, with rights, with privileges, with money. This is, this is the monster that we have created. And it's out of control. Uh, once again, my friends, George Rodriguez, El Conservador, talking to you from San Antonio, deep in the heart of South Texas, on KLUP 930 AM, Radio The Answer. Stay tuned. We'll be right back. Howdy, howdy, howdy. Once again, my friends, George Rodriguez, El Conservador, talking to you from San Antonio, deep in the heart of South Texas, in, or should I say on, KLUP, 930 AM radio, The Answer. So let's talk, my friends. We're going to chat now a little bit about uh, the uh, mayoral race that's going on here in San Antonio. Now, what is very important? What is what? Why is that important? Well, because uh, I, I think that two things. First of all, you can get a snapshot of what is happening in local communities across the country. You get a snapshot of what is happening across the country by analyzing the uh, the politics in San Antonio. Uh, the city hall establishment, as I call it, because it's similar to uh, city halls uh, across the country, particularly in major urban areas. Uh, secondly, secondly, I think that it shows I think that it shows also the um, the uh, role, the very prominent role that the news media, the local news media has on local and state politics, okay? Because uh, it is my opinion, it is my humble opinion, this is the gospel according to St. George, uh, the, um, it is my opinion that the situation, the, the, the role that the local newspaper is playing, the local media in San Antonio, is very similar to the role that the liberal uh, media plays on a national level. So first of all, let me let me define let me define the uh, establishment here in San Antonio and uh, the establishment in general. Let's give establishments the word establishment a definition real quick. Uh, an establishment is, uh, you know, they exist at, at the state and local government levels all across America. And, um, uh, you know, they also exist within organizations, political organizations, church organizations. They are there are establishments. They are uh, they are uh, groups of, or, or, or should I say uh, a group of individuals that control and dominate uh, a, a, a an organization, a, a community, a government. OK, these establishments are critical uh, for uh, it's critical that grassroots citizens freedom-minded citizens that you that we you us that we understand exactly what's going on an establishment is generally defined first of all as a dominant or elite group of people that holds power that holds the power and authority over a larger group organization uh entity uh government uh whatever but it is a dominant or elite group of people now, this group is usually a closed social group that selects its members. And they do. They select who's going to be part of the establishment. And it's based on their support, whether they support 
the goals of the, uh, the, the, the organization, the goals of the establishment, the rules, the agenda. That's what it's based on. But they, you know, they select who's going to be members of this elite. The establishment, uh, they, they have their own goals. They have their own agenda. Just study it. Just look around at, at the societies, at the social structures in your backyard, in your community, in your state. An establishment, it, it, the, the only thing they care about is their own goals and their own agendas. They don't really care about the individual members. And heavens, they certainly don't care about citizens, about citizens, about ordinary citizens. Uh, it, it, for them, it's about establishing and maintaining their power. And their power translates into politics or economics, money. You know, that's, that's what the bottom line is. Unless the establishment is in control uh, of the people, of the voters, of the party, whatever, uh, it can't achieve its agenda. So it's got to be in control of it. The favorite uh, message that the establishment has, you know, when they're when uh, when they're in control, the favorite their favorite message is that uh, they want everyone to know that what they're doing is for the best of everyone. It's for everybody's best. It's in your interest that you let them do carry out their agenda because it's you know, it's for development. It's for progress. Everyone, everyone benefits. Well, the people that benefit mostly are the establishment. Now, here in San Antonio, we have an establishment. You have an establishment in your backyard. We have an establishment here in San Antonio. And that establishment is comprised of, it's comprised of the elite politicians that are in control at City Hall and in the county, at the, at the county courthouse. It's also made up of big business people, big business people who profit who profit from the government, either through contracts or through special projects or whatever. You know, the, the, these big business people, they contribute. They contribute money to the politicians to be elected. And then the politicians work with the business people so that they can continue to be reelected and so they can provide favors to the business people. It, it's very symbiotic, as we would say in biology. It's very symbiotic. One scratches one's back, the other one scratches the other's back. Now, included in this, included in this is the liberal philosophy. Because the liberal philosophy is what they preach, the politicians preach, but certainly don't practice. Because everything they do is, of course, for the benefit of the people. It's for the benefit, it's for equality, for justice, for diversity, <laughs> that's what it's for, you know? And so they proceed to push uh, political and, 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 uh, and, and agenda, they policies, government policies that are supposed to help you. But in actuality, they don't. For example, for example, they push policies to help immigrants. Okay. Okay. So when we translate that, that means that they push policies to push to help illegal aliens. And who does that really help? Well, in actuality, all that's doing is helping liberal Democrats and it's, you know, keeping them off their backs. You know, we've got uh, we've got a lot of loudmouth community activists that benefit from these establishment folks because the establishment folks buy them off. Shut them up with money, with money. That's I mean, you know, a grant, a grant here and a grant there. Now, a very important component to this establishment is how they're going to get their message out. And that's where the uh, media comes in. The local fake news, as I would call it, the local fake news plays the role for the establishment of getting their message out of preaching their message. It is very effective in that aspect of it. And it profits the fake news profits because they push the liberal agenda because most of their reporters, most of their uh, uh, editors and writers, et cetera, et cetera, they are liberal. And so they pursue and push the liberal agenda. So as long as they're pursuing and pushing the liberal agenda along with the uh, political, po uh, along with the politicians, 
Well, you know, everybody's on the same page. And uh, we all know that the liberal policies of a uh, local government or of any government, the liberal policies of any government are good for the people. You know that. You know that. It's just a question of who pays for them. Well, well, there's lots of rich people and middle-income people who can pay for it. So the role of the press is to preach and push the agenda of the establishment. Well, comes along, comes along a, uh, a, a, a an election once in a while. Uh, every two years, every four years, every six years, there's an election, a given election of of uh, politicians, elected officials. And it's during those elections that you really, really see how the, uh, how, how the media, how the fake news, how the, uh, the press plays along with the establishment. They do two things. They do two things. First of all, they either ignore a candidate or a policy. They ignore it. They just never mention it. They never explain it. They never talk about it in, in print or on TV or the radio for that much. They don't talk about it. Secondly, secondly, they uh, attack it. If it is uh, gaining ground, if it has traction, they will go out of their way to attack it. They will, they will just destroy it if they can. Well, this is what's been happening lately, my friends, in San Antonio. San Antonio has a very, very heated, uh, a very, very heated mayoral race between a populist, a populist uh, whose name is Greg Brockhouse, who's on city council, and the current incumbent mayor, um, who uh, is very, very, very much uh, the voice, the leader, the face of uh, of of the establishment, Ron Nuremberg. So you got Nuremberg running to keep the status quo, and you've got uh, Greg Brockhouse running to uh, change the face of city council. Well, the establishment is lined up completely and totally against Brockhouse. And in the past uh, three weeks, uh, there have been three three big attacks uh, attack uh, reports regarding Brockhouse. One uh, that's really, really uh, taken a toll is regarding his um, uh, apparent uh, uh, problems with a former wife uh, who has accused him of uh, domestic violence. And uh, so they're really, the, 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 news, the news media, the newspaper has really played up on it. At the same time, though, they are ignoring all of the other uh, candidates for mayor, like Tony Diaz, John Velasquez, Matt Pina, Carlos Cancetumano. They are all being ignored because, well, you know, you don't want to say too much about them. Heaven knows one of them might get traction or might be an alternative to uh, Brockhouse. While in the other house, Brockhouse is um, the leader. And so they've got to do something about him. My friends, the role of fake news in your backyard is real. It is real. And you've got to be aware of it and you've got to challenge it. And the way to challenge it is through social media through organizing uh, new, new newspapers, etc., etc. But information will make us free. Once again, my friends, George Rodriguez, El Conservador, on KLUP, 9.30 a.m. San Antonio, The Answer. We'll be right back. Hello, El Conservador listeners. If you are interested in following George Rodriguez, El Conservador, we invite you to follow him at his internet website, elconservador.net. You can also follow him on Facebook at George Rodriguez, El Conservador, and on Twitter at El Conservador for daily commentaries. You can also purchase his book, El Conservador, Conservative Opinions, online at Amazon.com. The book contains essays and commentaries about illegal immigration, fake news, and race relations. Finally, you are invited to his next speaking engagement at the Far North Dallas Tea Patriots on Thursday, February 21st at the Coverica Building, 5999 Summerside Suite 200, Dallas. If you are interested in inviting El Conservador to speak to your group or event, 
please contact him through Facebook or through the station at 930amtheanswer.com. El Conservador thanks you for your support. Keep the fire of freedom burning. Howdy, 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 my friends. George Rodriguez, El Conservador, talking to you from San Antonio, deep in the heart of South Texas on KLUP 930 AM radio, The Answer. All right, so let's chat now, my friends. Let me, let me, let me tell you a story of woe and sadness in the world of uh, liberal politics. Um, about three weeks ago, the story broke that... Um, a very, very prominent organization called the Southern Poverty Law Center. Apparently, its founder and, uh, and chief executive uh, was um, fired. Now, <clears throat> what's very, very interesting about this whole thing, let's, let, me, let me explain to you uh, some background about this person, uh, Morris Dees. Morris Dees was the co-founder of the Southern Poverty Law Center. And um, he was fired on March 14th. <clears throat> At any rate, um, the Southern Poverty Law Center has been around since around 1975. I remember meeting Mr. Dees uh, when I was just a, a, a I, in fact, I was a junior in college. I was on my internship in my internship in uh, Washington, D.C. in 1975, in the summer of 1975. And uh, I was working at uh, Justice Department's Community Relations, and uh, I got to meet Mr. Dees, uh, who was there representing this new organization, the Southern Poverty Law Center. And uh, it turns out that, uh, you know, all these years later, gosh, almost 40 years later, whatever, at, uh, his organization had turned into a juggernaut, into a huge 300-pound gorilla when it came to the issue of civil rights. The Southern Poverty Law Center was very has been very, very well known for two things. First of all, very recently getting involved in the um, uh, University of Virginia, or should I say the, uh, the Virginia uh, uh, riot um, when the um, far, uh, when, when the Klansmen tried to march and then there was a riot and uh, then somebody was killed. Well, the uh, Southern uh, Poverty Law Center accused, uh, as you recalled, uh, accused all white folks and accused all, uh, they went after the Klan, but they also went after President Trump and uh, vilified him because he didn't do anything to stop or dissuade them. Well, like, you know, never mind that there is a freedom of of, uh, expression in the United States, in the Constitution, even if the expression is something you don't like. Uh, it's still there. Uh, so they, uh, you know, they went after him. The other thing they are very, very well known for is their list. They would put together an annual list of uh, hate groups. And this list of hate groups always uh, included, <laughs> it always raised eyebrows because it included a lot of people that you would not consider uh, hateful in any form or fashion. Um, this uh, organization uh, was very, very, became very, very powerful uh, in arguing and taking on cl- uh, cases. One of the cases that, one of the famous cases that they took on most recently was the removal in Alabama of the uh, Ten Commandments uh, from a, from the state uh, capitol. You remember that. Uh, at any rate, two things popped up. First of all, the um, and and this, you know, this is absolute hypocrisy. The hypocrisy of this of this organization is just amazing to me. Uh, the hypocrisy of the people in this organization is just amazing to me. First of all, it was reported that uh, the Southern Poverty Law Center uh, had reported assets of over half a billion dollars. Yes, with a B, half a billion. Of which, now this is supposed to be a nonprofit organization, so they've got assets of over a half a billion, of which 121 million were stashed in banks outside the United States. How about that? In fact, they were found, uh, the uh, Washington Beacon, uh, the Washington Free Beacon did a, 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 a report, an investigative report on them, and found that... Um, there, uh, the money was uh, was stashed 
in uh, the Virgin Islands. <laughs> I'm sorry. I, you know, I, I've got a giggle about that. I, I, the British uh, uh, Virgin Islands. Um, the, uh, this, this organization uh, whose subjective political rankings, you know, um, uh, were used, have been used by the liberal media, uh, CBS and everybody else, to define hate speech and to target, um, you know, anybody that they didn't like. Their leaders uh, have always been on the attack of conservative organizations and wanted to limit, yes, they have wanted to limit the Bill of Rights and personal freedoms. In uh, 2018, the, free, the Washington Free Beacon obtained the financial documents um, that had been submitted to the uh, California Attorney General's office and compared them to the uh, 2017. So they compared to 2018 to 2017. And uh, the, the analysis found uh, that uh, the nonprofit, uh, this is a nonprofit, Southern Poverty Law Center, that um, they found that they had a total assets of $518 million, uh, $41 million higher than what was reported in 2017. So apparently 2018 was a very, very good year for them. It spiked. <laughs> it spiked. And uh, again, my friends, this is a nonprofit organization based in Montgomery, Alabama, which is one of the, one of the poorest places in the, uh, one of the poorest states in the nation. But, you know, there they were putting this, uh, you know, uh, with, with this ton load of money, ton load of it. The most significant thing that the Beacon found was that uh, the increase of the non-U.S. investments, in other words, the, the, the money coming in, they found that $128 million, uh, in 2018, up from uh, $92 million, uh, the previous year. Uh, 2018 details uh, of non-U.S. transactions, as they are called, uh, are unknown because foreign forms are not required uh, to, to, for the public disclosure. So we don't know where the money came from and, um, we don't know what, um, interests, uh, the, uh, this money came from. Um, it was, uh, also found to, that it was stored in the Cayman Islands in Bermuda and in the British Virgin Islands. You know, I remember my friends, I remember when I, uh, was the tea party president of this, of, of San Antonio in San Antonio and um, we submitted our uh, our forms to IRS, and we got audited. And how many of our folks in the Tea Party uh, leadership were absolutely panicked because the IRS came after us? Well, my friends, we were a small, tiny organization. Here is an organization of half a billion dollar assets, and I would like the IRS to ask them, where is the money going? Where is the money going? You know, where's it coming from, too? I'd like to know that. Now, okay, beyond that, let's talk about the second part of this whole, uh, of this whole uh, sordid story. Because the, uh, you know, with half a billion dollars, you can buy a lot of, a lot of things in the United States. And one of the things that they, they had apparently bought was a huge, beautiful uh, building in downtown uh, Birmingham, Alabama. That's, that was their headquarters. And so using that money, I mean, they, they, uh, they, they bought a, a huge structure. And um, one of the things that they used to, that some of the people that would walk, that would uh, mock it or uh, make fun of it, they used to say, you know, that um, Martin Luther King uh, made... Um, made the comment uh, at one point that until justice rolls down uh, like waters, um, it, it just, you know, it, what they had done is changed it and they would mock it and say until justice rolls down like dollars because that's what they did. They turned civil rights and poverty into a money-making venture. That's what they did. A multi-million dollar money-making venture. And not only did they do that, my friends, then comes the stories of the sordid discrimination and sexism that went on behind closed doors there. Here is this organization, my friends, pretending, pretending to be 
a beacon of civil rights and equality and justice. And in actuality, they are rotten to the core internally with uh, the same problems that everybody else is facing uh, that they accused everybody else of. Uh, sexism and racism. Yeah. You know, they were, they were busy making lists of people that they hated and they should have been looking in the mirror when they were doing this. It's, it, it is really, really incredible. One of the controversies uh, was regarding one of the um, uh, folks, uh, one of the white employees uh, uh, that arrived who was a, a writer who later turned, you know, was one of the ones that started writing about what was going on after he left. Uh, he's, he would ask, well, where, you know, where's the diversity? And um, people just kind of would chuckle and not answer him. He also uh, raised the issue of, you know, why Morris Dees was treated, uh, you know, like, like royalty. People were very, very different to him. They wouldn't, they, they would not even challenge him on certain things. Well, you know, reason being because if you did, your career went nowhere. Not only that, not only within the, the organization, but the sad fact is that Morris Dees had a lot of power, has maybe still, but had a lot of power within the civil rights community. I mean, all over the place. So if he gave you a bad name, you know, then, you know, your, your uh, role, your uh, career as a civil rights attorney or as a civil rights advocate, period, was pretty much over. So again, we had this situation where we've got a, a, a just the hypocrisy of an organization, the supreme hypocrisy. My friends, poverty, poverty is best served when people are free and there's a free market and people are allowed to rise and, and fall on their own merits. That's when freedom really, really shines. And the Southern Poverty Law Center, like many other leftist organizations, what they want to do is impose their rules and control people. Once again, my friends, George Rodriguez, El Conservador, talking to you from San Antonio, deep in the heart of South Texas, on KLUP 930 AM radio, The Answer. Three-star general Michael J. Flynn, head of the Pentagon Intelligence Agency, knew all the government's dirty secrets. He was one of the most respected generals in the military. Flynn knew what the intel world had been up to. He understood its funding. He ordered the first audit of the use of contractors. This set off alarm bells. The explosive new documentary, Flynn, deliver the truth, whatever the cost, and covers the facts behind this scandal. Flynn told the truth. He was the most dangerous person for Donald Trump to hire. I find out the worst enemy that I'm going to face in my life is right here in America. They took my assessment and they wanted me to change it. I was like, I'm not changing it. They had to get rid of Flynn. With in-depth interviews, archival footage, and never-before-seen personal record to the man behind the headlines. I just felt like I was drowning. Flynn. Deliver the truth, whatever the cost. Available now. Watch it today. Go to salemnow.com. salemnow.com.